are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. Hundreds of farms and ranches across the state of Oklahoma invite you to explore and experience the intersection of agriculture and tourism, Oklahoma's growing adventure. Pet a pig, help with a harvest, lie around at the lodge, wind down with a wine and more. However, you want to experience agriculture? Let Oklahoma Agrotourism be your guide. Start your adventure at oklahomaagrotourism.com. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode up in Enid, Oklahoma today. Had a lovely drive up here, just had flamingos for lunch, so now I am full with a double meat, double cheeseburger, which is fantastic. If you ever come to Enid, you've got to go there. It's the only real place that I like to eat up here, the only place I know of to eat up here. Uh, but the reason I'm out here today is to do a podcast with... Uh, Ken and Becky Everett about your Redbird farm. So you're driving up, you drive north of Enid, and you'll come past this beautiful house and this beautiful red barn. And you you know what, if you've been up here, you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, guys, thank you so much for inviting me into the home and, and excited to hear your story. Well, thank you for having us. We're happy to have you here. So this... When did you when did you get this house? Like, did you like see this house and think this is the one? Because me being in real estate, I drive past this house and I'm like, that looks like something from a movie. Like, that's <laughs> a very picturesque house with the red barn and I don't know, with a kind of wraparound porch and stuff like that. Like, yeah. yeah, we actually built this house. You did. Yeah. You have a great vision because this is really cool. Um, well, thank you. Backing up a little bit, how did you guys meet? Um. We met in Lafayette, Louisiana. I had just graduated from Oklahoma Christian University and went to prosthetic school out in California and got a residency. Um, I said, just put me somewhere in the South so I feel like I'm home. So Lafayette, Louisiana it was, and he was with, um, I'll let you tell. Yeah, I was uh, working offshore Mm -hmm. and uh, jumping from drilling rig to drilling rig and happened to meet Becky and it was like, we were both uh, sort of two peas in a pod, but we were out of our element being down yeah. in Cajun land. So it was kind of weird to meet somebody who was from home. From home, yeah. 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 <laughs> so both grew up in Oklahoma, and did you go to school here or not? I grew up just east of here, west uh, west of Ralston, Oklahoma, mm-hmm. in a place called the Big Bend. And uh, Becky actually grew up in Paris, Texas. Yeah, so I went to Oklahoma Christian to play basketball mm-hmm. and hung around there for a while and so, yeah. I mean, I've always really liked Oklahoma. Extended families all here in Duncan. And so, yeah. Yeah. I knew it was someplace I wanted to come back to. I went to SNU, so we're kind of rivals, oh, I guess. I know that SNU. Was a, yeah, that was, a huge, that was a huge rivalry, that was. Uh, yeah. Even though we went, I was there when we transitioned to go to Division II. Yeah. So it kind of like wasn't a rivalry anymore. Yeah. Um, but we still played against their golf team. Uh, but yeah, they're very good at basketball. Yeah. Well, they were when I was in school. Yeah. Both men's and women's. Uh, it was fun. Yeah, small world. Uh, and it's a lot, obviously a lot different now. They have a great running track and everything. It's a beautiful part of town. Um, I got married very close to there. Wings Event Center backs up to it. Yeah. So that's where you got married. Uh, so you guys meet, um, and I guess hit it off, and the goal would be to move back to Oklahoma and start yeah. a family? Yeah, I think we lived in Lafayette for a couple months before we moved back. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm not too far from where I grew up, the farm I grew up on, so we've been here for 11 years. Yeah, but when we moved to Enid, 
you know, we just lived on a residential street, you know, in the middle of a neighborhood. And we just, it, it was always festering. We wanted some land. We wanted to grow something. And, mm-hmm. you know, we sat there and we dreamed and we dreamed what we wanted to do. And I found this land when I was on a jog, actually, with a friend. And, you know, Enid doesn't have like a huge amount of like large trees and uh, bodies of water. Mm-hmm. And so when we ran past this, I saw something sparkling in the back and I thought oh my goodness is that a creek and a pond and then you know we had some huge elm trees that have since collapsed with weather but um so you know I drug him over here as soon as I could and yeah I said this would be amazing you know and we originally had thought we wanted to get into uh growing pumpkins and doing the pumpkin patch and um kind of manifested into Christmas trees yeah and so here we are So you found this land and Becky comes back to the house and she's like, hey, we've found the land and you're thinking you're out of your mind or what was that conversation going like? Well, we hadn't even been looking for land really, not actively. And so she wanted to uh, come out here and check it out. So I took off at lunchtime. We came out here Mm -hmm. and the gate was unlocked and we drove in and we actually ended up getting stuck out here. (laughs) In the mud, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I called the realtor and I said, hey, uh, I don't know if I'm supposed to be looking at this land, but I'm stuck. And so he drove out to pull us out and he got stuck. (laughs) And then he called his wife who came and got him and he went and got a tractor. He's now our neighbor over here, but (laughs) pulled us all out and... You know, felt kind of obligated to buy it. <laughs> yeah, eh, <laughs> kind of trespassed, I guess. I should probably buy the house now. Yeah, and so yeah. we started, um, we had the land for about a year or two before we bu- decided to build the house. It was a lot of trips back and forth from town to, you know, we planted some trees and um, we thought, well, it might be nice to walk out the door and work yeah. on things out here. And we both love, like, nostalgic older homes and Kent's an engineer, and so... Um, he kind of has that talent to know if, uh, you know, as we sketch things on paper, like, yeah, that could work. And mm-hmm. um, You get the vision for it. She's got the, the vision. I got the, I got the mechanical. He's okay. got the brains. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just bossy. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you had the land. How many, how, much, how many acres do we have here? There's 14 acres here. Okay. And uh, it seems like a lot until you start planting a lot of things. We've got the berries and yeah. the trees and you know, the animals. So we're kind of running out of space, but mm-hmm. we got to think about where to put things. Yeah. So the house can't, the, the, you had the land and there was no barn here. Or was it just the land at the time? Just land. Yeah. Okay. That's it. So you plans and, and you build a house and mm-hmm. then you think, great. Now, now what, now do we, you know, yeah. So how do we, we had the house, land? we had Christmas trees and, uh, you know, it just started coming together that maybe we could make a go of doing more than Christmas yeah. trees, you know? So, and the barn came about because Kent's man shed or barn was a uh, <laughs> a Bojangles uh, shipping container that um, he just had everything shoved in yeah. and he was just going insane. And so we thought, well, why don't we try and put together that old school looking barn? Mm-hmm. And um, so that came together next. And yeah. we thought it would be the storefront for our, our Christmas trees. And we thought that'd be an awesome opportunity to also expand and almost... You know, if we wanted to do the pumpkin thing later on or, you know, like we have this harvest market that we do um, in the fall and just be our store for when we're open. Yeah. Was that kind of always growing up? Was that always kind of a little vision to have something a little bit in the countryside, have a store and 
Because what you were doing for work, it's just totally different, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, I don't know who I am half the time. <laughs> um, yeah, so I went from doing the prosthetics and orthotics thing. And then, you know, I had, we have four kids. So I stayed home with them. And, I mean, I love to work and be busy. Mm-hmm. And so once we started planting things, I mean, I really love being outside and seeing things grow from a seed into something yeah. more. It's just been amazing. I. I couldn't have planned all this, yeah. you know. It's- Kent, do you share the same green thumb? Yeah, I love to grow things. I love agriculture. You know, I grew up on a farm. My dad was a farmer, and I always, always loved it. Yeah. Um, but you know, modern farming is not what I grew up with. In order right. to be competitive, you've got to have thousands of acres because farmers are super efficient, mm. and that takes a lot of money. It takes a lot of land. So, if you're going to compete as a farmer and you don't have that land then you've got to find a niche and that's kind of where we started searching and thinking you know what could we offer what can we grow Mm. because i think both of us share the desire to have our kids grow up on a farm and have those chores and those things to do yeah so that was a big motivator for us yeah so so when you guys were doing that you're researching things you christmas trees came up yeah being from east texas i mean pine trees, just any kind of trees is home to me. And so when we came up here, I was like, where are the trees at? (laughs) So, um, you know, having some evergreen trees, I was really excited about just to make it really feel like home. And the more we researched them and we found out, you know, how they help air quality. And I mean, it was just thing after thing. We thought, yeah, let's, let's go ahead and dive in. And we started small. We planted only 35 trees our first year. Right. Mm -hmm. And yeah. they seemed to do pretty good. So the next year we got like 800, I think. <laughs> <laughs> you went all in. Yeah. Yeah, we decided to go for it. I didn't know how they would do in this environment. Right. We have a really sandy piece of land here. And uh, I didn't know what kind of work it would take. You know, I showed up to the first Oklahoma Christmas tree meeting down in Gore. Mm-hmm. I had happened to call that association a week or two before their summer meeting. Yeah. So I just showed up and uh, it took off from there. Yeah. And so you, you said you were 30 the first year. And then now this year, right, it's the first year that you'll be selling ones that you've planted five years ago, right? I think that it's our sixth year. Sixth yeah, year. this yeah. is our sixth year. Mm-hmm. So those 35 that we planted, the ones that survived, you yeah. know, <laughs> they will, they're our tallest trees. And then the second year, those trees are ready and there was you know, about eight, seven, 800 yeah. or so. And of course we lost quite a bit yeah. with the recent ice storm. No. no, no, it wasn't the ice storm. It's that first year, you know, you, there's a learning curve. Sure. And in addition to that, we were building this house. So yeah, they got somewhat neglected too. So, <laughs> And I mean, with any Christmas tree and probably other, you know, vegetation too, the gophers will eat the root system Okay. And so sometimes you walk out there and this beautiful tree will just be, you know, clumped over. over. And yeah, you pick it up and the roots are all missing. So we combat the gophers and then the deer like to nibble the tops of those baby trees. And then um, pine tip moth is like a big pest too that we deal with. So between all those things, you know, you lose quite a few. Yeah. So. Which was a huge learning curve, I guess, from, I mean, I didn't know this stuff. We've gotten better every year. Um, Yeah. We don't have the loss that we had the first year. But, you know, it just comes with the territory. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. So 
while you building the house those couple of years are going on and then how soon does the bond you build the bond at the same time or does the bond come a couple of years after a couple of years yeah we yeah, built it was yeah. a couple of years after we moved here mm-hmm. in this house that we built the barn yeah yeah after he got totally infuriated with his um storage, <laughs> storage container. shipping yeah. yeah the shipping yeah. container yeah so we've had the barn two years this Christmas. Mm-hmm. And you said that's like the front of house for the business and, mm-hmm. and everything else. And it's not just Christmas trees now, is it? It's, you mentioned berries and, and a whole load of other things too. So Yeah, we do uh, You Pick Blackberries. We just started You Pick Strawberries, so okay. that'll be the first for us. And then Becky's really good at uh, putting on workshops. And they range from anything from flower ranging to, you know, butchering chickens. Really? Yeah, COVID has put a big sure. snafu in a lot of things. But, you know, we had an outdoor flower workshop um, not too terribly long ago. And mm-hmm. we're trying to learn how to pivot a little bit and just still be cautious. But it's definitely put, um, you know, a speed bump on things yeah. with that. But we have lots of plans, you know. Um, what we really want to do is, like, have things out here that help people appreciate nature and just get back in touch with, mm-hmm. you know, just the magic of, you know, a right, seed being or outside, yeah, yeah, being outdoors and also the lost skills, you know. Um, I, I really wanted to have a canning workshop this spring and I, I also had lined up a sourdough workshop mm-hmm. and just some skill sets that's being lost in our modern world, you know. Yeah. Just yeah, I don't know how to do any of that yeah. stuff. I don't think my wife does either. Yeah. Stuff our grandmas did. And I think we've seen, you know, a demand for it too. Yeah. With COVID coming along and the toilet paper shortages and, crazy, and all the grocery shelves being emptied. I think people realize that, you know, this entire system is pretty fragile. Yeah. And um and our skills to to feed ourselves are lost. I mean, there mm-hmm. there are some people who still know those things, but uh, you know, we'd like to help people learn those again. Right. And so, you know, raising chickens and butchering those, it seems somewhat intimidating, but it really isn't. Yeah. I mean, you can do that and you can do that in your backyard. Yeah. And I mean, being in Oklahoma, we're so blessed with, you know, having that extended growing season from spring well into fall. I mean, mm-hmm. so the you know, ability that anyone has that ability to grow something from seed and um, just get people more comfortable that, you know, if if I can do it, I did not grow up on a farm. I have no skill set in that area. And, you know, it's a lot of falling on your face along the way, but I mean, anybody can grow something, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Just, I guess, understanding, understanding, you know, the weather and, and getting the, the best soil and water mix or whatever it is to yeah. my, my wife, like we live in a neighborhood and she wants to have raised garden beds and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I do not share the same passion. I do not have a <laughs> green thumb. And like my idea of having a nice front yard is buying plastic flowers because no one notices in the drive by. I <laughs> uh, haven't pulled that one off yet. She's still kicking off about that idea. But like for me, like I, you know, I grew up back home. My grandparents, they had a greenhouse. Right, mm-hmm. you have tomatoes or tomatoes or whatever, anything in it, and out here you just don't see it very often, mm-hmm. unless you know I have friends in the country and they they are growing things. Some things might not be legal yet, maybe they are. <laughs> I don't know, um, but it just the good thing out here is we have the land for it, right? Mm-hmm. And the city usually let you do it. The most cities will let you have chickens in your backyard. 
stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, I think so. And even if they don't, you know, you can. Still yeah, no one's gonna, no one's gonna call <laughs> them because probably the guy who's on the board at the city has chickens as well. Well, if uh, you keep them contained, I mean, yeah, you know. we we did it when we were in town. Yeah, um, just don't get a rooster. And our neighbors were aware of it, but they, you know, they're not any louder than a dog. Yeah, especially the hens. You know, they're pretty quiet, so. Yeah, the roosters, they can be an issue. Yeah. Five, yeah, five stay o'clock away from in the, the rooster. We have one here, but, you know, yeah. we're allowed to have one here. But, yeah, if you're in town, just get some hens. You don't need a rooster to get mm. eggs. Yeah. And, uh, you know, your eggs are taken care of after that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that it's not just, like, just Christmas trees for you guys. Like, you you know, you have all this land here, or 14 acres, which for people living in a city, that sounds like a lot, right? But for people living on the outside of town, that's, you know nowhere near as much as you would probably want right um and if you're in farming culture then the you know farmers probably like yeah that's that's just a normal thing right yeah most farmers have hundreds of acres um but it is cool that you guys are kind of you know you you it's not just trees right it's a bunch of other things you could do you mean i'm sure photographers could come here and take pictures and do that stuff as well like there's there's a lot of cool things and, and you draw from a lot of different uh areas of businesses that you know, different crowds of people. You don't just have one core group of, okay, people are going to buy Christmas trees from us out of 30 days out of the year or whatever, and that's it. Right. So. We're trying to make it more of um, a multi-seasonal business. And, you know, especially when we have the market events, like the harvest market in October and then the spring market we hope to have this spring. Mm-hmm. But we bring in vendors and they can set up, and um, it just brings the whole community out, and it's a lot of fun. It really is, and we hope to have um, like a farmer's market type thing one day, mm-hmm. but you know, we're just going to have to take one day at a time, especially with 2020 yeah, it's upon been us. Yeah, crazy, isn't it? So. People doing events, and I think you, you, the lucky thing is it's outside, right? You can mm-hmm. do it outside. People are at their booths, even if they wear masks, it should be fine. Um, but yeah, I can't imagine what it's like trying to run a business and have you know you used to having events right used to mm-hmm. throwing events and your creative side is like yes we can do an event for this and a workshop and yeah everyone's like no can't congregate anywhere inside yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay great yeah. but the good thing is it's close to home and there you walk out of your you know front door and you wander over and you get to work or don't go to work it's i'm yeah. sure the kids love being outside and hanging out as well yeah. kit actually still works full-time mm-hmm. at his job so he works at night with a headlamp on, but I, I get to do things with the kids during the day. And, yeah. um, but some of the more heavy-duty stuff or tractor work, I leave to him. <laughs> yeah, but, you just have a, you, you invest in a good headlamp and, you know, you're you good to go. Happen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah this, uh, those lights are really bright. Yep. <laughs> you got to get the good ones. Yeah. <laughs> I have a friend who likes to do like car racing and rallying and stuff. And he's like, I prefer it at night because my lights are so bright. I can see everything. Yeah. That sounds her- like that sounds dangerous driving through the forest at 80 mile an hour sideways. Like, no, no, it's actually really fun. <laughs> sure it is. You, crazy. you go do that. <laughs> I'm not yeah. coming anywhere near I you. I think Kent would probably prefer to work in the daylight. Yeah. That's just the way Yeah, it daylight would be nice. But, you know, you do what you have to do. Yeah. And, um, well, that's the thing about agriculture never stops, does it? No. no matter what the weather is, it never stops. <laughs> I'm a broken record. I'm always saying farming is about timing. Yeah. You know, when it's time, you got to do it. And if that's at night, then you do it at night. Yeah. But, you know, it's really, um, you know, it's been nice to have, you know, have the job. Mm-hmm. And, and that gives us a lot of flexibility to try things and not be yeah. as afraid to fail. Because, you know, we're not depending on this to feed us. Yeah. 
Um, so we've tried a lot of things, you know, workshops, any idea that we have, uh, we just go for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And do people come from like all over or they predominantly kind of Enid based or like what I, is your kind of reach? So I've finally been able to have the wisdom to ask people, where are you from? And I've learned, you know, we've had a lot of people come from Kansas for workshops, Oklahoma City, a lot out west towards Woodward and Alva. But we've had people from all over, I mean, yeah. all over the state. Um, but as far as drawing in from other states, Kansas is all I've heard. Yeah. That's you know. good, though, to have, yeah. like, to be where you are. And, I mean, when you were building this place, you probably never thought that you'd draw someone from Kansas down here to go to one no. of your workshops. No, we didn't. So <laughs> do you use, I guess, social media predominantly and the website to, to draw people in? Yeah. That's a whole that? learning curve for me. I'm... Uh, I joke that I have some kind of ions in my fingers that repel technology, but um, I'm learning, you know, through social media, you can have quite the reach and mm -hmm. um, yeah, we, we do things old school still sometimes too. We put up flyers or we're, what we're really hoping, and this is like major old school, but um, word of mouth, you know, yeah. I think there's so much to that. And so um, that's what we're trying to do with great customer service and memorable events and quality, you mm -hmm. know? So, and I think another big thing that we try and project out here is authenticity. You know, we try, I mean, you think about what are the things that you, you need and not want, you know, you don't have to have a Christmas tree, but more yeah. along the lines of where we want to go. Um, you know, you need food, you need to know how to feed yourself. Um, and you know, the Christmas trees is a nice thing to have at Christmas, but that's where yeah. we're wanting to go mm -hmm. is um, just lean into that authenticity of, you know, having good events. And yeah. Back to word of mouth. When, you know, when you get, you kind of, you get those, that mum group or the mum, you know, and you get that group of like, they like to talk, they like to tell their friends where they've been or they like yeah. to refer things. And then next year they come back and they brought a friend and then there's 10 of them coming in a bus, you know, yeah. it's, that's kind of the hope and it's to build it through word of mouth. And there's nothing better than, than a word of mouth kind of referral. Cause yeah. you know, you have that, they trust their friends and then they know they've had a great experience. Uh, and yeah. you know, obviously the trees, like, I don't think I've ever had a real tree, uh, <laughs> Partly because I just don't want to. I I, I don't like to clean things up. <laughs> you gotta get you gotta get a fresh tree. Okay. Yeah, that right. really makes a difference because if you get those trees like off the parking lot, yeah, those things get cut back first of October, and they're never put on water. Yeah. And so they're already dead when yeah. you get them, and you're just trying to like breathe some life, you know, with a little bit of water in the bowl. But if you cut a fresh tree. Or you get these premium trees and you keep them on water, mm -hmm. you don't really have that needle yeah. drop. Most of the time as well, they're not they're too big for my house. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, I mean, like a six-foot tree is average, right? But I'm sure what are the, what are the sizes that you guys have, for like the, the real trees? A six-foot tree was like a go and buy at Walmart or whatever, right? Yeah, but, I think the, uh, a typical customer uh, wants a seven to eight foot tree. Okay. And it all depends on your ceiling height. Yeah. And that's, that's why you sell the most of those. Most people's ceilings are eight foot tall. Yeah. So people want the tree to go all the way to the top. So, you know, with, um, a lot of new construction, you have these two story entryways and things mm -hmm. like that. So some big trees get sold. Yeah. You know, twelve or more, you can get, you can get as big as you want to get. Yeah. That just reminds me of, uh, national lampoons a christmas vacation or whatever and he's like do you have anybody that that just calls you up and says i want the biggest tree that you have we haven't had that yet but yeah. i bet it's coming it has to doesn't it 
Yeah, you know, down in, around the city and around Tulsa, they their tall trees are wiped out. I mm. mean, they they have a hard time selling tall trees because they can't keep them in in their field long enough to, yeah. to get them tall. So being new and you know holding everybody out of our field for this long, we've got quite yeah. a few tall trees. So yeah. We're sitting pretty good. We'll see how this season goes. Yeah, and I mean, people have been starting to put their trees up already. Yeah. As uh, that, I mean, I'm guilty. I'm one of them. Uh, I've always been, for my entire life, Christmas starts December 1st. And since I've been in the States, and since I've had my own house, my wife has been like, no, it starts after Thanksgiving. And I'm just like, okay, I'll deal with it. It's fine. And now this year, 2020, everyone's like, Christmas is soon. It's, that's yeah, what's next. I feel it too. But everyone's putting their trees <laughs> up after Halloween. It's And last weekend, my wife's like, can we put our tree up? I'm like, sure. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Let's just do it because I don't want to do it. You know, whatever. Yeah. Um, but have you, has people been calling you trying? Because you guys are going to, and it's next, so it'll be the 27th. You guys yeah, are going to be right? Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, fresh tree customers really don't jump the gun as much as okay. a fake tree person. Yeah. Because, you know, it's a it's, it's got a much dream. easier to put it up and you don't have to maintain it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's got a it's got an end of its life, so but yeah, I mean, if you got it now, it would last till New Year's, no mm-hmm. problem. Yeah, I told Kent this year we're gonna leave the tree up until it dies. So <laughs> we're hoping like this tree's still alive. Yeah. Um, come April. <laughs> so I'm yeah, leaving it up. We thought we'd do an experiment, see how see how long it lasts. Yeah. 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 I mean, an excuse. It's a business. Yeah. It's a business experiment. It's yeah. fine. I mean, you think Kids, about why it. Why do we have the tree in February? Don't worry about it. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> you think about it. I mean, Lowe's there or any big box store that you have. Uh, they're they're getting their trees cut in October, yeah. and they're keeping them unwatered on concrete until you buy it. So I mean, by the time you get rid of that tree, yeah. it's three months old or two, two or three months old. So, I mean, if you come out here and get a fresh tree from us, it should it should go. You might even be able to replant it back in your own, <laughs> own back in your own. That would house. be a miracle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be a miracle. Yeah. Yeah, they. Um, another thing to know about big box stores. The trees that they get, it's just like meat, you know, you mm-hmm. can, everything is ranked, you know, you got your prime and select and all that. Well, it's the same with trees. So if you go to a Christmas tree farm, that's where your number one premiums are going. Gotcha. And then there's a grade below that, that goes, some Christmas tree farms might buy a number two. And then you got your number three uh, commercial or big box store grade. Mm-hmm. So those... Those are just lower quality to begin with. Yeah. So just something to keep in mind. Yeah. For those listening, that's good consumer advice for sure. (laughs) Uh, So interesting enough, again, the Christmas tree kind of community as a grower is very small, right? Like it is. You are, you were previous president and you're involved in that stuff because there really isn't that many people that have, you know, 10 to 30 acres that be in a good part of town that, probably some you know they're generational type businesses for the most part right right and some people might be offered money and they think right i'm going to sell and someone's going to develop a strip mall now on my land uh <laughs> exactly. so you know you guys i'm sure were welcomed with open arms when you went to that first meeting yeah i was um you know there's been a wave of new growers coming in mm-hmm. in oklahoma uh, i was like the first of that wave yeah but yeah it's it's just a business that that's kind of hard to get into because you're planting and growing trees for years with zero return. Mm-hmm. 
So you've got to know that going in that your money's going to be gone for a while. But uh, hopefully you get that back in five, yeah. six years. Hopefully this year I'll find out, right? <laughs> yeah. We'll find out. Definitely next year with yeah. as many trees as you guys planted. Yeah, we were open year. last year, but we just offered pre-cuts. You know, the type of sure. trees we can't grow here, like the Fraser fir and some other types. So, mm-hmm. And last year it went pretty well. You know, it was a really good learning experience on, you know, how to operate during the Christmas season. Yeah. <laughs> so this is, obviously you guys are going to open up next Friday, um, but... I guess we'll get to that in a little bit. But back to, I guess, the community. What what has it been like being a part of it? What's it been like um, as new growers? I'm sure, you know, there's a lot of older people in it that, that are still doing it. But I don't know, I guess, was it just kind of easy to get into and easy to talk to people and ask questions? And then Department of Agriculture, I'm sure, helped a lot as well with you know, just everything that goes on with it. It's not just a group of friends who are in a club that we all grow trees together, right? There's a lot more to it. Yeah, I would say the people in the Oklahoma Christmas Tree Association are the best people you can find. They are great people. Mm -hmm. And they have not held back any info about how to grow a beautiful tree. They've been so helpful. Mm -hmm. And I really can't say enough about them. I mean, it's just been great. And, you know, especially the ones down in Oklahoma City, they're competing for the same customers you know i'm i'm a little bit removed from that being a couple hours away maybe but but there's no competitive spirit among that group it's i mean they're just working together to make you know to make the whole Mm -hmm. industry better because it's really it's not that easy to grow a beautiful christmas tree in oklahoma right we uh we're limited on the variety we can grow Mm -hmm. we've got tons of predators we've got wind and um it's a lot more work than you might think it's not just planting and walking away yeah there's a lot to it water and hope for the best in five years (laughs) yeah it's not that yeah and and that's what you learn getting into it it's like yeah this is a lot bigger task than i thought Mm -hmm. it was gonna be but but if you like it then it's then it's good yeah i'm sure it's been great too to to kind of bounce ideas back and forth with stuff because everyone has the kind of the same amount of land I would assume. And then everyone does other stuff during the year, like what you do with your workshops. I'm sure it's great to talk to other people about what they do. And I know that, um, you know, podcast will go out in a couple of weeks too with, with guys down Norman, uh, the Wells family, they, they do like drive in movie nights and other, they do, you know, like they have a store as well. So I'm Mm -hmm. sure it's great to, because then you guys definitely aren't competing because you're so far away and there's local draw and stuff. But that's, has that been cool as well? Oh, yeah. That's how we learned about the blackberries, mm-hmm. you know, to offset the season. You know, we got into the you pick blackberries that are going to be available in June. Yeah. And a lot of other growers do that. And um, there's some blueberries that they do up in Tulsa area. And so, yeah, it's been good. Yeah. You know, I'm glad we did that and I'm glad they shared that knowledge. Mm-hmm. And are the kids at an age where they can help out yet, or are they still? Yeah, they they you've got them running around helping out. They become more helpful every year. Good. So they they have their chores, even the little guys. You know, they they have their things that they need to do, yeah. and it's not all Christmas tree related. Most of that's a little hard for them at this point, mm-hmm. but you know, they can go get chicken eggs every day, and yeah. you know, do those kind of things. What do they think about it growing up on a farm? And uh, I guess. I'm sure it's amazing as you as parents to see that and be able to offer that to your kids, right? Yeah, you know, I guess for me it, it's pretty cool because most of them don't don't have any memory before the farm right. or, or they were really small. And um, 
just a lack of fear of, you know, picking up a chicken or, mm-hmm. you know, doing the things that they do is just normal to them. So that, I, I think that's pretty cool. I think they, they see too, that this can't happen if mom or dad just pull the weight, like it's a family effort, you know, yeah. all hands on deck, a lot of days out here. So, you know, it, it's definitely teamwork. Yeah. Uh, we, so we wouldn't be together if it wasn't for obviously agro-tourism helping out and, and, and kind of introducing us and, and me coming out to, to do this podcast. So how have they been involved? How have they helped you guys out? And, and how long, I guess, have you been with them and, and a part of what they do? So Oklahoma, we're really lucky. And and we get to see this because we, we work with other associations, state associations mm-hmm. sometimes. And Oklahoma has more support than our neighbors do. Okay. And um, what's really interesting, it seems, uh, you know, our new Governor Stitt and then Matt Pinnell, they've really put an emphasis on agritourism. Mm-hmm. And they hired a couple of employees and dedicated them to promoting this. Gotcha. It's a kind of a future vision that they have of really promoting tourism in our state through agriculture, mm-hmm. which is one thing that we have here. And I think they're, um, I think they're on the cutting edge of it because, you know, living out here, uh, driving by, you know, cattle in a field, we don't think anything of it, but other people do. And, uh, and we can pull people in to participate in these agriculture things that they Mm -hmm. otherwise don't get to do. So I, I think it's great. And we have a ton of support. Yeah. And the, we couldn't ask for better people to be helping us and they go out of their way and bend over backwards and they're always available for Mm -hmm. questions and to provide materials it's such a blessing yeah Yeah. i guarantee you know during this season the christmas season the employees are whitney and michaela they'll stop by every tree farm in this state yeah and that's something you know they'll stop by and they provided you know signs that they passed some legislation that makes it harder to sue an agritourism okay event play you know because you go out to a farm you might step in a gopher hole and twist your yeah. ankle and and we do our best to really try to think through any kind of safety right. issue but but um, it's a farm there's going to be ways to yeah, fall I mean, over machinery or whatever it is that's going on like that's yeah. naturally from being outside and walking through any field there could be a potential <laughs> hole yeah right? and you know you don't want to put yourself out there and, and lose everything you have because you were trying to do something fun. So anytime you feed an animal or are around animals, you know, there's unpredictable things. So the state of Oklahoma has really kind of helped protect us from that Mm -hmm. so that we can have the freedom to do these things. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's a lot for a small business too, isn't it? You know, and, and (laughs) just to have that and, you know, obviously it's great that, that you have a job and you, you don't have to rely on making this business work as much because you have a safety net. But still, if you know, if you didn't have that, then you really need to any every business needs to be taken care of and there's always that overlying, you know, can you the last thing you want is someone hanging over your head thinking, Well, if someone falls and they sue us then then we're gonna have to shut down. Yeah. Like that's a, especially when you live right here too like that's mm-hmm. a big issue uh and back to the agritourism like, i didn't know what agritourism meant until i met the girls yeah <laughs> i was like i need to figure i thought it was just <laughs> oh a pumpkin patch and a corn maze and that's it well yeah. there's a lot more to it isn't it when you mm-hmm. look at it and there's so many businesses and um it is great to to see the things that you guys do and how much how invested you are in you know not just the family and raising the kids with the um 
you know, like the values of being outside, but helping others as well, like going back to the workshops, yeah. you know, helping others. I mean, we had just had a huge power outage in Oklahoma City and without power, everyone's freaking out because they don't know what to do. All their fridge food is gone yeah. and everyone's spending hundreds of dollars now going to Chick-fil-A or whatever it is for two weeks <laughs> uh, rather than eating canned foods and growing your own vegetables and stuff like that. So... Um, yeah, it couldn't be a, a better time to hopefully have that event with everything that's just happened in the Yeah, city. and we just don't want to, you know, lose that skill set, mm-hmm. you know. It's just, I don't know, it, it's unnerving to think about how close we are to losing all these um, yeah. old-fashioned skills. Yeah. So next Friday uh, to the 27th, you guys will be open to sell. Christmas people can come by and buy Christmas trees. Yeah. So Fridays and Saturdays will be open 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. and on Sundays 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. Okay. And then mm-hmm. where can everybody go to go to the website or follow you on social media? You can go to our Facebook page. It's Redbird Farm Enid. And we have a website which is redbirdfarmenid.com. Mm-hmm. And Instagram, too, redbirdfarmenid. Yes. <laughs> this is, as much as we both avoid technology and would rather <laughs> be out doing that, Becky has graciously taken this yeah. on and and done the Instagram and Facebook thing, so yeah. I'm grateful for it that. It can be powerful <laughs> stuff, is not it? You yeah. Know, you invest in good photography, and as iPhones are great right now, especially the new one with good cameras. You take good photos, and people are like, oh, I want to go see that, just to take a picture outside. They want to see you know stuff like that, which is yeah. awesome. Um, I didn't ask this earlier, but where's the name come from? Well, we, uh, we struggled with it really, but (laughs) we wanted, it it started out as just a Christmas tree farm, but we didn't want to call it, you know, the Christmas tree farm. Christmas tree farm or whatever. Yeah. Right. We didn't want to corner ourselves because we all, you know, we always had these visions of, of doing a lot more. So, you know, a cardinal red bird is kind of a nod to Christmas without, cornering okay. yourself into Christmas. Sure. And oh. we see cardinals out the windows out here quite a bit. And yeah. we just thought, yeah, I like yeah. that. <laughs> it's kind of my favorite bird, I think. Yeah, it's a good it's a good looking bird. You can't yeah. shoot them, right? <laughs> no. Well, you're you in tr- I think not, you're in trouble you, if you shoot them. Yeah, you don't shoot them because yeah. why would you? But <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But. Yeah. Awesome. Well, good. Well, guys, thanks so much for, for sharing some stories. And, um, you know, I wish you all the best for the Christmas season. And then hopefully... Uh, I am excited to find out how long this tree lasts. Yeah, uh, me too. You know, figure out with that and and the stories of the kids probably like, why is our Christmas tree still here in March or February? <laughs> why don't we add any more presents? Um, <laughs> but yeah, thanks so much for coming on the podcast and and wish you all the all the best for for this season and then hopefully next year you can do your um, you know the workshops and yes teach people some valuable skills. I so, hope so. Awesome. Well, for everyone listening, thanks so much. I'll post all the links down below for the Instagram, uh, the website, and Facebook page. And swing by, grab a tree. Uh, I assume they're not going to last very long. So you should probably come up probably Thursday, spend the night, and be here first thing Friday morning. (laughs) Uh, But thanks for listening. We'll catch you next episode. Cheers. Huge thanks to Oklahoma Agrotourism for helping set this podcast up. Hundreds of farms and ranches across the state of Oklahoma invite you to explore and experience the intersection of agriculture and tourism. Oklahoma's growing adventure. Pet a pig, help with a harvest, lie around at the lodge, wind down with a wine and more. However, you want to experience agriculture? Let Oklahoma Agrotourism be your guide. Start your adventure at oklahomaagrotourism.com. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. 
Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram. podcast was produced by Mike Hearn and Ian Weston. Mixed by Alan Brown with music by Chad Duro.